can you imagine someone runs up to you and they're just like, hey, I, I'm the former president of El Salvador. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. Can you give me direct? Let me like, wait, what? You want money? Are you? Are you? I just point him over to the Walmart parking lot. You can sleep there every night. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Hey, you. And Ryan. I need to find out if the Boston Beer Company is public, because I really missed the boat on investing in Truly and Sam Adams. (laughs) Dude, Cigar City has seltzer. Yeah, they have it now. I was like, are you, like, that's how popular seltzer drinks are. Like, it's nuts, dude. And the thing, the thing about it is they're tasty. I mean, they're not for everybody. A lot of people don't like them, but I, I don't understand that. Um, a lot of but people they're, are wrong. Yeah, a lot of people are fucking wrong. A lot of people are fucking wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, super popular. And they're only 100 calories, almost all of them. Some of them are only 90, so you can just, yeah, like, so slam them all day. Down whole 12 pack. Yeah, because yeah, that's four. That's If you drink four of them... Right and get a really good buzz going. You've only had 400 calories, whereas if you drink four beers, you've had almost a thousand calories, <laughs> if not more. If you drink four seltzers and you get a real strong buzz. You must weigh 90 pounds. Nah, I'm about two, two <laughs> seventeen. I want I want you all to pray for Steve. I'm gonna lead you all with my. Nah, I just prayers. had my blood work done. I had my physical boys. I just want to let you guys know uh, we're gonna be doing the trilateral troika for years to come. I'm healthy. <laughs> Nothing was wrong. Even my cholesterol was normal. My glucose was good. A one C was low. I went off my uh, long term uh, inhaler, which apparently is a corticosteroid and can apparently, in small doses of people, raise blood sugar. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. It, it absolutely can. That's why we're very careful. She's like, you're, at work. Oh, you're pre-diabetic. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not pre-diabetic. I don't have any symptoms of diabetes. And then I went off the medication. Turns out, not pre-diabetic. <laughs> and I, I, I switched off that doctor. I finally got out of, out of Advent Health, boys. Oh, I'm out man. of there. That was that was the look. Part. It was bad enough when I first went. And she started asking me to pray to pray for me, and then all oh, of yeah. a sudden, they replaced all the stuff on the fucking walls with like. Bible quotes, and there's Christian music playing on the like loudspeakers. So I'm like, when is it? When is this just going to be faith healing? Like, when are you just going to give up the medicine part? Now I'm going to bring out our therapy coat, our therapy rattler. Her name is uh, Patricia. Um, she is <laughs> therapy rattler. <laughs> that sounds like a that's like a good name for like a shadow run like RPG character. <laughs> We just uh, we just hired a guy that came from Advent Health, and uh, he he was talking about out and how terrible it was, and how there's just so much things that he just didn't agree with. Yeah. Specifically, specifically because he said that they do not like giving out narcotics to people, even in the emergency room, for whatever reason. Like they'll Dude, give them out, but I'll they tell just you, don't man. like giving them out. Right. So I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know who would be really pissed off that they're not using narcotics? People that sell the narcotics people that manufacture the narcotics yeah that's true 
places that manufacture narcotics because they're not making money. If I mean, it's one thing if you're being hesitant about throwing, uh, which is a good good segue, by the way, right into narcotics <laughs> to go into our topic. But it's one thing if you're talking about like being careful about who you're prescribing them to and over-prescribing to. But it's another thing when your doctor, by the way, this is a personal anecdote that I'm referencing, uh, tells you to take uh, elderberry juice for like a, a medical condition. What fucking doctor are you going to see? Not saying any names. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is uh, it the Advent best. Health one? Yep. Dr. Nick. Hey, everybody! Hey, everybody! You've got a, an acute case of low elderberry. <laughs> now, what you need, now what you need, Steve, is you need some some opium. Not only opium, the finest opium sourced from. The I've never seen an elderberry case this low before. <laughs> <laughs> you need a full workup. Oh my god, dude. If I saw Julia Roberts on one more in in waiting room fucking uh, movie in that fucking doctor's office, yeah, every I time I think we have the same one, but they always they always play the uh, the Hallmark ones. Yes, like the yeah. like the, uh, the like the Hallmark. Like I accidentally went home for Christmas with like the wrong guy was one of them, and it was like. I was. This, this is <laughs> it's this ridiculous. Is ridiculous. Every fucking every fucking Hallmark movie is like that. By the way, every yeah. single Hallmark movie follows the exact same plot line, mm-hmm. the exact same one. It was crazy. Uh, she's actually a good doctor. I, I think she's very very good. She's caring and everything like that. And I think she's smart. But uh, now that I went back to my old one, it's just night and day. Yeah. Night the only day. other thing I'm going to say on that topic is that. Advent Health and really all the faith-based hospitals that I've ever been into because there's been there's a couple different ones. Sure. Um, man, they got the nicest shit though. Their stuff is all like up to date, clean. Oh, Dude, God, literally, nice in when your religion is essentially the the type of Christian that is running that type of organization, are basically the evans, and you know those people tithe as a matter of like principle like they they don't yeah. breathe without tithing so i mean there's well, I think, they got money I, I coming in as, uh, i believe the seventh day adventists they have to yeah i'm sure I they think, do i think it's like i think it's like the mormons where it's not like it's, it's not it's optional not like, it's like yeah you, you no matter what you have to give 10 percent. you can get like, kicked out man. gone yeah yeah, yeah no, they're, um, they're, their facilities are all super nice though so take that well, for what you will speaking of uh narco-christian tithing speaking of nice facilities <laughs> They're hoarding all the uh, narcotics for themselves. That's what it is. So this will be our, our second and last part on the the narco puppet state of uh, Manchu Kuo, Manchu Kuo, um, which was started by the Japanese in in the in the nineteen thirties um, and would last until nineteen forty five. Um, previously, in, in our last episode, I sort of went over you know how the state ran, um, how it was sort of its its economy was set up that it was supposed to be like the uh, a grindocracy where, right. where you were expected to be working like forever yeah. until you died, essentially. It was supposed um, to be run like Brooklyn, basically. It's supposed to be like, run like World of Warcraft. Yeah. Grinding. It's supposed to be run yeah. like Wolf of Wall Street. That you just you rised and you grinded. It was on all the walls. Rise and grind. Rise and grind. Said, rise and grind. <laughs> I tell you what, Steve. You say that Manchu Manchukuo was a was a powerful nation, but you know what's more powerful? Family. Oh it's my true. god, I don't fucking do that. <laughs> Please don't start that. Please don't fucking... It's 
my current favorite meme. Steve sent me one earlier. I was like almost falling out of my chair, and then my brother sent me one. I have seen so many recently because of because of that fucking because of fucking Ludacris and and Tyrese in space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. <laughs> There was there was the one I think I sent you was was from Common. It was from Common's official Twitter. Oh account. my god! Um, oh, shit. So for this part, since I've already like covered like how the state ran and, and pretty much how it went into it, um, a, a number of things that that we could talk about. I, I would rather have another episode covering such as um, as Kishi because um, Kishi, who is sort of the architect, as we talked about, of the the economy of Manchukuo. Um, in 1940, you know, he gets bumped up from the minors to the majors, and he becomes a, a minister in Japan for, like, the rest of the war. And, and eventually, he's he's an American POW. Hmm. Um, so, I, I would like to have a whole episode focusing on him, because, you know, he eventually becomes, like, Prime Minister of Japan. Um, he, he essentially is one of the architects of, of the modern Japanese um, political situation. Um, and, and, and everyone's favorite Japanese Prime Minister... Um, Shinzo Abe, as I've mentioned, is his uh, grandson. Um, he his like plan is pretty much very similar to what his grandfather's plan was, including like the rearmament of Japan. Okay, which will never happen. It it probably will at some point, but it'll just be one of those things that that people aren't happy about. You think so? I don't know, man. Like the the self defense force is already pretty much a, a military, like. All, all it takes is just like another president like Trump and then they'll just they'll they'll be they'll be scraping off the self-defense part of the, uh, the, the <laughs> it's just been a lot it's been like a lottery tag uh, this whole time it just they just need like a good sized nickel and they can just scrape away the the like yeah. uh, lottery lottery now print off of it use a dime or a quarter hey guys look. Hey the guys, look! Are rippled or, or <laughs> stippled, whatever you call the edge of no. But like, imagine you did that. Imagine like you went went to work that morning. They're like, all right, guys, scratch them off, and they're like, oh, I'm a commander. <laughs> you lucked out. Oh my um, god! And and also, for instance, um, some of the other sort of I'm a militia in, <laughs> that that operated in Manchukuo. Um, such as Unit Seven Thirty One. Oh my God! They are the uh, the Japanese bioweapons program. Should we um, do an episode about Unit Seven Thirty One? Let's not. We could. Let's just no, not. But, no. But um, they they did operate in this area because, as, as I mentioned before, Manchukuo is kind of a a blind spot. Right. Um. So mo- most of this will be done through the perspective of Pu Yi, who we know a lot about because he one he wrote an autobiography, um, and two. Um, the, a lot of people around him uh, lived for a while and were able to be interviewed by historians. So we have a good idea of like what was going on in the palace and, and just sort of his handling of things. Okay. Uh, and can so, we trust these accounts? Uh, I would say that you could probably trust... You could you could definitely trust like the people that were around him and Puyi to a degree, because Puyi um, seemed to be somewhat um, sorry for like his, his behavior... Um, after going through like uh, re-education, and he does seem to become like a very like believing communist. Okay. Um, and the it, it, though he is like overly naive and childlike, um, like like a lot of members of you know royal families like that are. Um, no, and you don't say. he's a nonce, basically. You don't say that inbreeding uh, uh, leads to dull people. Well, it's okay. what's well, not that? It's just the fact that like when he went into like in, into internment. Like he had never like 
he had never tied his own shoes. Like he'd never brushed his own teeth. Like how old he, was he? He'd, he'd literally never done any of those he things. He was the emperor. Himself. How old was he? Yeah, but he was um, the emperor. He didn't need to do any of that. It doesn't matter yeah, how old he was because he, he was born in 1906. Um, so oh, he had, so he, he was had, like 45 years old. So he was a full grown man. So wait a minute. So this dude had never brushed his own teeth. Like, what did he basically go to the dentist Ryan, every day? Forty five years old, actually, in nineteen forty five, was like two thousand twenty one's eighty. So it's like, yeah, he was like an <laughs> old man. He was like a decrepit man. Yeah. Wow, um, you've got three years left. <laughs> you need some elderberries. <laughs> it's the worst fucking Doctor Nick ever. <laughs> Oh god. He beat the odds, yeah, exactly. He beat the odds. He was a grown man at 11 and then <laughs> So when when he was initially uh coronated as as um as emperor again, um cuz his original coronation he Wait, was too old. Again? Yeah, when he became like the emperor of of Manchu Kuo, like the two? um Cuz cuz remember he was he was the emperor of the Qing he was the last emperor of the Qing dynasty. Like right. barely um, wiping his own ass two years. He old. was he was two years old when he became um, when he became emperor, and then he was um, he was six years old when when he was like when when he was like overthrown. He was overthrown. It took him four oh, okay, years okay, to okay, overthrow right, right. a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the <laughs> emperor. Okay, but look, can you imagine being like those dudes that? could potentially have taken the throne or whatever. Like, I understand Emperor is sure. a certain lineage, but can you imagine them dudes standing on the side and them saying, okay, this two-year-old over here, he's your next Emperor. Like, well, <laughs> well, you know what, Ryan? I'd, I'd remind you of the documentary film Baby's Day Out. You know, it's kind of hard to... <laughs> boss Baby comes to mind. Uh, yeah, the Boss Baby. baby. Driver myself. You know, I, I, I think you should really take into account that uh, in 2021, a, a six-year-old is like 45 years old, so... <laughs> You know, <laughs> they were trying saying, to take like, down. They were trying to take down a there? grizzled, fully grown Japanese or Chinese. But this, man. this was the the overthrowing of like the whole dynasty. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, they removed him from the throne. Somebody else became emperor. It was that the entire imperial state was overthrown, and uh, the Chinese Republic was born. But I mean, is that can by you uh, to take orders from a fucking two year old? Well, well, you don't. You take orders from the region. Um, yeah, the region serves as the actual like royal figure when it's a child. Yeah, they're they're the now, person which the two year old. So, did you watch Game of Thrones? Did you watch no, Game of Thrones? I've never the, watched the one. child. So, the, like, the child doesn't actually um so my is, isn't able to really like do anything uh, until they're of age. Um, so they so, could at six years old be like, I want a Nintendo, and be like, Well, I'm well they could Emperor, get they could Nintendo. get things they wanted, but they couldn't be like, <laughs> All right, so you're gonna you're gonna like bomb another country for me. Like, like this, this, this kid that beat me at Fortnite. He lives in this country. You're gonna bomb it. I fucking think you should. That would have made the shit so much more interesting. Holy shit! <laughs> just let the six-year-old no decide. Of anything, just be. Able I don't to know. I think it makes a lot of sense. They probably would have done it if it was politically expedient. Well, the emperor's on board, so. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that would have been hilarious to live in a time where it's like, all right, guys, we're gonna take orders from a three-year-old if he can correctly get a sentence out. <laughs> 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 Sir, how much uh, did everything cost? $75. Okay, done. Everything's $75. <laughs> it's going to be priced like you're at the fucking airport. <laughs> oh, my God. So, you have to... Um, so, when he is... Um, when, when he's like, has his coronation, and he becomes um, uh, 
sort of like the the leader of Manchukuo. He's he's officially not really like fully the emperor um, cuz they cuz they don't want him to like get like too big of a too big of a head about it. Um, cuz they don't want him to like have the ambition of eventually becoming, you know, like the leader of of like all of China, um, which they don't right really now that you're talking about. What? How old is he right now that you're talking about? So he becomes um, he becomes chief executive of Manchu Kuo in 1932. So he was 26 years old. Okay. Um, so, but but the Japanese don't really uh, tell him that um, because um, and and he becomes emperor again in 1934. Um, they they let him fully be be called an emperor as sort of like a. Um, as, as sort of like just something to placate him. Yeah, just like, happy uh, but, birthday, you're the emperor. Yeah, so <laughs> so initially when they when they made the capital, he wanted it to be um, in, in Shenyang, uh, in modern-day Shenyang, which was Mukden, which, remember, is like their main like shipping port. Um, but the Japanese wouldn't let him have that, so they gave him um, an industrial city, um, uh, Chengchun, uh, which they renamed to uh, uh, Xinjing, the, the new capital. Um, but but Puyi wasn't very happy about it because uh, once they made it the capital, um, his his palace um, used to be the um, used to be a Russian um, sort of building that was the uh, the Salt Tax Administration building. Um, okay. So where it was essentially where the uh, the Russian uh, firms and and government would sort of take in taxes for um, the salt trade, um, and this eventually became known as the Salt Tax Palace because of that. Okay. Um, while he while he's there, he can't leave without permission. Um, and after he after his coronation, his father actually comes and visits him. Um, and and Prince Chun, who's his father, he he pretty much tells him that he's an idiot for thinking that the Japanese are going to uh, restore him as as emperor of China. Um, and that he he also warned him, you know, that they're just using you. They're they're not actually going to like do anything good for you. Jumping ahead, did he did he know that? Was he aware that he was being used? Uh, I think he sort of deluded himself at first. Um, sure. There, there's a lot of debate over that. Um, it, it, he himself, like when asked, like why did you go to uh, Japan um, when when he like when he fled China? Um, why did he go there as opposed to going to like the United Kingdom? Um, and and he felt that like because the Japanese emperor. Um, Hirohito was was around his age that they would be uh, that they would be closer, like best they friends, possibly be more understanding of him, like besties. Right. Uh, yeah. Hey, Biffles, BFF. <laughs> Biffles. Um, but but <laughs> actually, can I go back real quick? You said the the tax the tax uh, the salt the salt tax palaces the salt palaces what do you call them? Yeah. You said they salt were Russian? tax palace. Yeah, it had been a Russian um, sort of colonial building. Because remember, the Russians used to have. Um, the the uh, Manchuria used to be a Russian sphere of influence, right. and then the so, Japanese kicked them out. Right. So Russia was not still maintaining these salt tax palace things. No, it was just it was what the is what the building used to be. It was like a large, uh, expansive building. My question um, was going to be: Why are they allowing Russians to tax uh, Manchukuo and Manchukuoians? But okay, gotcha. Um, and, and after his, I uh, think it's dad, Manchuks. I think that's what it is. <laughs> um, and and after after the visit from his father, the uh, the the Japanese actually 
um, their their embassy actually issues a diplomatic protest um, because uh, at the train station, um, which was under the, uh, the <laughs> oh hell no dog, <laughs> the Kwantung army's uh, control, that they were that only Japanese soldiers were allowed there, and he had brought his uh, honor guard who were part of the Manchu Kuo uh, military. Okay. Manchu Kuo so, technically Japanese though. Well, they're not. They're they're under it's the control Japanese of Japanese, but they're state, so but they're not. They're not Japan like ethnically Japanese soldiers. So, oh, yeah, so they're so they're Japan so they're really so they're already really like nitpicking him. Ryan, are, are Puerto Ricans American? <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. I mean yes, but, they um, but they're still Puerto Rican, right? Yeah, but yeah, you're American though. That's true. If you depends who's in Rico, depends who's in office, right? You're Puerto Rican American. Absolutely, but, but but again, um, they don't want um, they they don't want him to be getting too ahead of himself. Like the the idea that he can just bring his troops that he commands into this. were they actually scared of that? I mean, it's he sounds like a, a failed like a fail son, a fail emperor. Well, I don't I don't know that they really had a legitimate fear about it, but they were just letting like sort of setting it down, and it's just sort right. of the thing where like you're just being petty, and you're like, well, that's mine, you can't use it. <laughs> Um, uh, he would he would travel throughout the uh, Manchu Kuo whenever they were opening factories and mines. Um, he would um, he would take part in uh, celebrations such as the uh, the the birthday of, of Emperor Hirohito um, at the uh, the Kwantung Army's headquarters, um, and he'd also um, celebrate uh, Japanese Memorial Day and pay tribute um, to the dead Japanese soldiers who had died fighting. Um, the quote-unquote uh, bandits or, or guerrilla resistance against uh, his his leadership. Gotcha. Um, they they began um, as as sort of like copying the Japanese um, at the beginning of every school day. Um, students were required to, um, to to kowtow in the direction of Tokyo um, and then to a portrait of uh, Puyi that was in the classroom. Why they say the Pledge of Allegiance? Which which Puyi like he, he loves this. Um, he he also visited a coal mine um, where the Japanese foreman um, after after Puyi had sort of like thanked him for his hard work and like broken Japanese. The Japanese foreman um, like burst into tears and thanked him. Really, okay. that's um, like a Donald Trump story. So so like Puyi like well, <laughs> I think I think me. they just told. I think they just told sir, the guy to like, sir, with tears in his eyes, this big, strong military man. He said, "Sir, sir, thank you, sir." <laughs> I think it's I think it's the opposite, where it's just like the Japanese like told him to do that to like make make Puyi. So like, this guy's an idiot. If we have this foreman guy cry, Puyi's gonna be eaten out of our hand for the next like week. <laughs> so uh, whenever um, whenever the Japanese sort of like want a law to be passed, um, they they just sort of drop off the decrees at. Um, at, at Kinko's palace. <laughs> there you go. Pass these laws. Thanks, deuces. For, for Dropped them off at Kinko's. <laughs> and and he um he would always um he would always sign like he never he never went against like anything that they asked him to sign. No shit, because um, they'll be like, hey, guess what? That yeah, you're done. We'll put somebody else in there. That's fine. You don't want to sign the stuff that we're dropping off for you to sign. That's fine. We'll put somebody else. So in there will. Uh, one one thing that he did was he um, is that he gave vast tracts of, of Manchurian land um, to Japanese colonists, um, and he also made certain uh, quote unquote thought crimes illegal, um, which um, in in theory makes him fully responsible 
um, for all the um, all, all the atrocities that the Japanese carry out in Manchuria. So, how 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 did you get busted for a thought crime unless you told on yourself? That's the well, whole thing, right? They 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 spy on you. Other people like turn you in. Um, they they, they don't they don't like yeah, the way you, have you look. To tell people if you commit a thought yeah, crime. Yeah, but. But it, but it's also like it's it's like the police today, like 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 police stopping you for like non nonviolent things or whatever, like like oh you know your your light on your license plate was out. I it's it's all just sort of like an excuse. Like they don't really <laughs> care about the one thing, but you know like something comes up, they look into you know somebody's been saying like I don't I don't like the way he's been doing things. I don't like the way he looks. You know they stop and frisk. They they find some like pamphlets or literature. Right um, right right. Yeah, it's it, it it's all just like one thing leads to another, and it's just an excuse to justify you know use of force. Gotcha. I guess I was stuck on the term specifically thought crimes. Yeah, I've seen some thought crimes on Twitter and on uh, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, T H O T. I was gonna say I think uh, this is a time before OnlyFans where thoughts could be free. <clears throat> um, so even. Even though, um, even though he um, is sort of like this this emperor and, and sort of in theory supreme commander um, of this of this sort of um, what he uh, which they claim is this idealistic state of the of the quote unquote five races the the Chinese the Japanese the Koreans the Manchus and the Mongols um, <laughs> an avatar the what's going on over there at one point all the nations were at peace. I thought you were talking about Xbox, PlayStation, GameCube, and uh, <laughs> it's the one. It's Earth, the one thing they wind. fear. Uh. Um, so, but in but in turn, what they've what they've created is it's like this brutally run, um, like textbook example of like a colonial country, but but one with like Japanese characteristics, and that's terrifying because the Japanese are very strict, very ethnic, very ready to just cut a bitch. So, I mean, like... Oh. Yeah, they're, they're excessively brutal, too, because, like, Japanese soldiers are regularly, like, beaten by their commanding officers, and not like not like they're just, like, slapped around or whatever. Like, like they're, like, sometimes even beaten to within, like, an inch of their life for, like, getting something wrong. So, so it's just sort of like the transference thing of, like, you go, you go through a boot camp where, like, you're literally being beaten. And then when it comes time for you to actually like go out in the field, you know the people you have no attachment to, you're gonna have no problem, you know, just just brutalizing them. That sounds like uh, the Marines back in the day, because my dad graduated, and uh, my dad was a Marine, and he was telling me in boot camp when he went through, which is this had to be the late '60s, early '70s, they beat the shit out of you. Like they, the drill instructors would straight up put their hands on you. All I'm saying is, I think we need to go back to an earlier time. Maybe we'd start winning some wars. That's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, God. <laughs> so we should go back to a time where there was a cycle of abuse that generated abuse in a down-level yeah. chain. <laughs> I'm going to go real boomer here and say... That's, like, that's like advocating for Full Metal Jacket, you know? like. <laughs> oh, like but not for nothing, Arlie Ermy was great. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Ermey he's pretty much... Dead. I don't know if he's been bad in something, you know? No, I think he was good in everything, even saving Silverman. He was great. Yeah. So, and and just sort of like to drive home the the relationship as well. While while Puyi has to live in um, what what he considered a a, a small and shabby um, palace that, that was sort of converted um, from a an old tax building, 
um, which was close to the the main railroad station um, in, in a part of the city that that has a like a bunch of small factories warehouses and, and slaughterhouse uh, slaughterhouses um, it also had the the main prison for the city in that in that area and it was also a, a red light district since it's right by the train station um, hey. me, me, meanwhile the 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 Kwantung army has a massive headquarters in like downtown um, Xinjiang okay. So like they they have this like giant like like sort of headquarters and then he has this small like um, palace that he's he has to live in, um, showing the difference in the power dynamics between the two. Oh, he's got this palace that he has to live in. Poor him. Um, and um, it, it's also been noted as well that that Puyi was was aware very early on, um, in as as early as nineteen thirty one that he was dealing with um like very ruthless men. Um, and that he, he sort of had an idea of what, what to expect from them. Um, and he even said himself um, that he had, quote-unquote, I had put my head in the tiger's mouth um, by going to Manchuria. Hmm. What was he going to do any- otherwise, though? Like, I mean, he, I'm surprised he's not dead. Like, he was a dethroned emperor. He, he just sort of, like, hung out. Yeah, but um, he was signing everything that Japan wanted. He just hung out. <laughs> he was literally doing everything. He, he, he just did what like what rich wanted. rich useless people do. It's not like and then when they when the Wait, Japanese they, come along, he was rich when he was dethroned. Yeah, because he got to keep all his stuff because that was part of the agreement. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, he like part of the agreement because Yuan Shikai, who was the head of the the Qing Dynasty's military, he essentially made an agreement. That that he would be that that Yuan Shikai would be the first um, that that the that the imperial family would be left alone. They they'd be allowed to like keep their keep their possessions or whatever, um, but they wouldn't rule the country anymore. Steve, um, are then you, you really surprised that rich people are getting these fucking great fucking deals all and throughout it, history, it, where they're not going to lose anything? They're going to walk away. Well, the main free. Bill Cosby just got out of fucking prison. Well, the main the main reason he did it was because, and, and they agreed to it was because the 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 civil war was was becoming so bad that that they preferred that if they could just have peace then, and that was like one of the main stipulations, and they found that agreeable because they just they just wanted a, a republic. They didn't they didn't really care about the you know the the Qing dynasty. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely um, amazing. So uh, one of the people that's a, that's attached to him from 1935 to 1945. Is a um, is a senior army uh, staff officer in the Kwantung Army named uh, Yoshioka um, Yasunori, um, and he's sort of like his attaché and also a, a spy for the Japanese government, um, who would uh, control Puyi um, from time to time through the use of uh, fear and intimidation, and also giving him direct orders. He's his handler. Yes, he, he's essentially his handler. He's, he was originally said, like, you know, this is your attache from the Kwantung army, but in reality, it's, like, his his handler. Um, and, and during this period as well, um, there there's some attempts on Puyi's life, obviously, um, including getting stabbed um, in 1937 by a palace servant. He got shanked. Yeah. <laughs> got shanked um, in the mess hall. <laughs> the, um, the, the conquest of Manchuria, though, was, was popular in Japan. Um, uh, people at the beginning were, were just sort of like on the fence about it, but because it had been um, so successful and done so quickly with such little resistance, um, that they they felt it was something that would help improve 
um, Japan's uh, ability to recover from the Great Depression. Um, Oh, wait a minute. Were they going through the Great Depression, too? I thought that... Wait, so the United States went through it in what? Well, the whole the whole entire world goes through the Great Depression. Yeah, the Great Depression was like a worldwide thing, I guess. The, the, yeah, the only the only country that wasn't really affected by the Great Depression was the Soviet Union. And that's because they were they were essentially closed off They're, from the world. Because Russians are always depressed. They were broke as fuck. He couldn't get any yeah, it's um, like what depression? What's happening? What, what, what are you talking you about? Broke as fuck anyway. We live like this every day. This is fine. Um, and and at this time too, because the uh, the the second Sino-Japanese War hasn't broken out, um, the Japanese you lack are perspective. <laughs> <laughs> you need a big shot of perspective. Um, along with fifty milligrams of elderberry. <laughs> The um that <laughs> Sorry. um if people wanted to be anti-war they could be anti-war, um and and for instance the the Asahi uh, uh, Shimbun, um they they were initially uh, opposed to the war, um but they they changed um they changed to supporting it, um in, in order to improve their sales. I'm sorry, who was this? It, it's it's like one of the major um newspapers of Japan. Okay, it, it's kind of like the like the the New York Times or the. Or the Washington Post of so, Japan. So one of the major newspapers changed their opinion to being pro-war. Yeah, they they were opposed to the conquest of of Manchuria, but initially, but because it was so popular um, among people, they they changed. Like like they did they did essentially what all media did, you know, after the invasion of Iraq, where they were just like just like we oh, love this it. This is actually really good, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> invasion. We love it. Oh, we're here for this. They saw their ratings go up, and they just saw dollar signs. Just that, just just Randy Newman's "We Love L.A.," but it's like we we love war. <laughs> Fucking Geraldo, like live on the scene with missiles being fired off. I remember watching that shit. I'm just like, this is disgusting. Um, and and obviously, you know, China uh, did not recognize uh, Manchukuo as being a legitimate state. Um, and but but they still had established official ties for trade, communications, and transportation. Um, sort of in the same way. You know that the United States has with countries that they don't recognize, like Cuba, or, um, or I guess they recognize Cuba now, but but like North Korea or Iran, where they have to go through intermediaries or, or, or Taiwan. <laughs> well, they have they 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 have a not embassy in Taiwan. Listen, who who the fuck was it that that recognized Taiwan as like an independent country before like everybody else? Was it Trump? Did Trump say something in a speech? So, was some one of our well, there 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 are five. There are about five or six countries that recognize uh, Taiwan as the Republic of China, um, and, and it's yeah, mostly done. Be- it, and it's mostly done because they uh, they they pay them, and we don't actually. But the People's Republic of China is the uh, is is the only recognized government of China by the U.S. Though they do have a, um, it's like a, it's not an embassy. It's like the American like liaison, whatever. And and all the people who are staffed there are retired. Um, people from the State Department. Yeah. Um, no, no active State Department people are there, but it is essentially an embassy. I got hmm. you. But I thought that the United States had a position internationally of not recognizing Taiwan as a sovereign nation. No, because correctly, cause, Trump cause, fucked up and recognized them as that, and everybody jumped. It was like you can't fucking. And then he had to be like, "Oh, sorry. I mean, you know, China." No, that's that was John Cena. 
<laughs> Alright, so then listen. Ba, ba, da, ba. Multiple people that have <laughs> fucked this up recently. You'll have to forgive Ryan because, you know, he couldn't see him. <laughs> da, yeah, da, da, da. You lack corporal form. Um, and, and for instance, um, in 1933, the League of Nations, um, they, they said that um, Manchuria was, was rightfully a part of um, China, um, which caused Japan to leave the League of Nations. Um, it sounds and, like the League of Nations was like the worst like boys club in the world in the history of the world. Like just it was failed. Like the UN 1.0, wasn't it? Just failed. Yeah, it was. Did they, it was did like they succeed the, in anything? No, they they were like a proto United Nations because they were they're even more toothless than the uh, modern day United Nations. It's like a Nations. softball team that breaks up mid season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, if Tony's ball, not going to come, kickball. there's no beer. And if there's no beer, we're out. It's a fucking kickball league. Yeah. Not even uh, softball. Uh, um, grown and, fucking men playing kickball. And, and the United States even um, even articulated um, what was called the Stimson Doctrine, um, which they, they said that they would not give international recognition... Mr. Um, Steinfeld? To, to, ...to changes done in um, done to the international system... By use of force of arms. Mm. Hey, real quick, also, side note. Um, does the U.S. recognize Hong Kong? Well, Hong Kong is a part of China. It's a... It's the a, lease um, is up, right? It's, it's a special... Well, it, it was up... Like, uh, 30, like, like 25 years ago. 1997 yeah. or 1996? 1996, yeah. But aren't they still, yeah. like, fighting for their sovereignty? Well, there there is a there is an independent... Like, sort of like an independence or, or movement or... Or just people like there's it, it, kind of a mix. Some people want because um, it's supposed to be um, two systems, one government. Right. Um, but but China has pretty much destroyed the 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 two part of that equation. So right. it's it's becoming more and more one system, one government. Um, it, and and people want that to return. Um, but but that's essentially been smashed. Like there's also, there's no Hong hope. Hong Kong is like the money of China, right? Hong Kong is like the California of China. If I wouldn't if I wouldn't go state. that far. Um, it may have been during like the Shaw Brothers period, but not anymore. Well, that that was when that it was, was a British was colony. Like a, yeah, that was when it was like its own country. Okay. But it um, it's it's it is like a very wealthy city, but but it's more of just like an interme- uh, intermediary place to like um, to get around like um, sanctions and taxes. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, so um, the only countries that that initially recognized uh, Manchukuo was was El Salvador, um, the Dominican Republic, um, Costa Rica, Italy, Spain, um, Germany, and and Hungary. That's a shitty fucking FIFA lineup. Jesus Christ! Hey, Hungary um, won a couple games. <laughs> hey, England just beat Germany, so I don't give a fuck. That German is trash. that is just unbelievable. <laughs> um. The the Soviet Union um, sort of gave them de facto recognition in in 1935, um, but they explicitly noticed uh, noted that it didn't mean uh, de, de jure recognition, which, which meant that they sort of recognized them in doing dealings with them, but they wouldn't actually like officially recognize them. So basically, Manchu Kuo was the Soviet Union's side chick. No, not not like that. That's it. That's it. I'm not recognizing you in public. I'm not admitting to knowing you. But if (laughs) you want to hook me up with some pussy, that's fine. We know each other. We're great friends. Otherwise, just stay away from me. (laughs) That's exactly what this is. I will recognize you in the bedroom on the street. We are not friends. I don't know you. Um. So so eventually, what happens is on um, (laughs) April thirteenth, nineteen forty one. 
um, the Soviet Union and Japan signed the, the Soviet-Japanese Neutrality Pact, um, and uh, the, the Soviet Union would recognize uh, Manchu Kuo um, in exchange for Japan recognizing um, the, the Mongolian People's Republic, which is what is modern-day Mongolia. Um, because in China, there is a province called Inner Mongolia, um, and Inner Mongolia is, is actually like the, the heartland of uh, Mongolia and its culture, um, but the only what is called Outer Mongolia was able to break away um, from China around the time of the uh, Shanghai Revolution. Um, and so the actual like Republic of China had wanted to get it back. Um, and then also the, the Japanese have been propping up a, uh, a Mongolian leader in, in a state called uh, Mengjiang, um, which was very similar to like Manchu Kuo and how it was set up. But it had um, it had ambitions, you know, to make a full like Mongolia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been there. They've got good appetizers. <laughs> <laughs> Potato skins. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> um, it's there. There's sort of like a, a a common belief that the um that that the Holy See um, had established diplomatic relations, um, but Probably. it never did so. Um, they were and, they and just even, put feelers out to see how much money they could get out of it. Yeah. But even in the even in the 1940s, um, with Italy pressuring them to, to do it, um, they refused to come on, uh, come recognize on, come on, fucking do um, it. both the uh, <laughs> Manchu Kuo or the uh, puppet regime that pops up in China um, after they won't. invade. I bet you won't. Come on, somebody say you would. Get get these huh? Go, do it, pussy. go, do it. Come on, um, <laughs> bitch. So in. In, in 1935, uh, Puyi goes on like a state visit to Japan, um, and the the second secretary of the Japanese embassy, um, Kenjiro um, Hayashida, um, was Puyi's interpreter um, during this trip, um, and he he later wrote this like uh, this book called the the Apocal Journey to Japan, um, which was about Puyi's visit to Japan, um, and he like puts in every like awful like like sort of boring thing that Puyi says and sort of makes it sound like it's uh, profound wisdom um and that he okay. also claimed that during that Puyi on an av- um on average wrote two poems a day um despite being busy with attending all the uh, official functions it sounds like some very early north korea shit he had um he had also well he he had also written a booklet to promote the trip in Japan and in that book, or the booklet, uh, he he claimed that Puyi um, was a was a great reader, um, who quote unquote hardly was hardly ever seen without a book in his hand, uh, a skilled calligrapher, a talented painter, um, and an excellent horseman and archer. Um, that he was able to to shoot arrows on horseback like his uh, Qing ancestors. I'm calling bullshit. I was with you yeah. until you got to the arrow part. <laughs> but no, see what what happens is is that the Emperor Hirohito reads this, um, and and he he comes to believe that that Puyi is a um, that he's obsessed with horses, um, and so he presents Puyi um, he's a relative of Mike with Pence. with a horse um, for him to review uh, uh, to review the Imperial Army army on. Um, but Puyi, oh, I thought he was asking actually... him to like review the horse, like he's a YouTuber <laughs> or something. Yeah, look, we're not going to charge you anything for this fucking horse. Well, but probably I need you to review the, the horse. Well, probably well, also that too, because you know how like I just want to let you know like, this is a paid promotion. <laughs> like they look at the teeth and stuff. You know, you know how 
horse people are. Oh my god, um, they're crazy. they're crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. So, dude. but but Puyi is not one of those people because he's actually like afraid of horses. Isn't he really um, stupid too? Like he doesn't have. I mean, I'm excuse me. He's ignorant because dull. he hadn't he's had dull. a formal education. Because he's a dullard. Yeah, because he he probably he probably had like a um, well he did arrested he did development. Have a, he did have a, a formal education. He had a personal teacher. Yeah, but um, how much of that it's, it's did he of, take in? I mean, it's, it's one of the it's one of the characters from uh, the movie, uh, The Last Emperor. Is like one of the viewpoint characters is his um, his British. Yeah, I'm saying it's um, sort of kid. sort of teacher. Um, but so so he is educated. He just he just doesn't know how to do things for himself. Very much like the Japanese emperor who who after like. The, the peace is signed, and he sort of, like, goes on a tour to become, like, a British-style monarch. It's, it's just sort of, like, lost, and, like, it, it's very awkward because he speaks a, uh, speaks a version of, like, Japanese that, like, the average Japanese person doesn't speak. Like, a very, like, antiquated <laughs> and stilted, um, like, version. Like, um, flutin version? Well, it, it's sort of, like, like old English, like, like that, that level of difference. Oh, my so, God. So, like... So, Someone so called like he, Chaucer. We're trying to get some movement on the Emperor's campaign here. So, so nobody can really like, like speak with him, and he just doesn't know how to react around people and stuff. Um, okay. But, but anyways, Puyi is afraid of horses. So, so what they do is they they hurriedly get him a carriage um, for the for both the emperors to sit in what as they he, review the. the what troops. is he? The mummy? Does he like go running in another direction when you hold a horse in front of him? <laughs> Also, even with the carriage, he still needs horses pulling it. So, I mean, it's not like he's got a fucking Cummins that's gonna pull this carriage. They they <laughs> blindfold him when they're when they put him inside the the box. You know, they they give him they give him a pair of those glasses that have eyes. Yeah, the blotters, so blockers, have, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Blinders, blinders. Yeah, they give him some blue blockers. He's <laughs> not like some fucking Guido Puyi. Hey, they give him, they give him some I'm in Manchukuo here. I'm over here. Get that fucking horse the fuck away Yo, from me now. I'll turn that horse face, into I fucking glue. Um, so after after Puyi returns from uh, uh, Japan, he sort of gets this idea that they need to start uh, promoting and improving the um, sort of the image of Manchukuo. You guys um, need to get some marketing materials out. And and he does just that because he, he brings in an American public relations executive named George Bronson Rea. Um, and, and he wants uh, Rea to sort of lobby the U.S. government to recognize Manchukuo. Um, so in Come on! In, so, so Rea publishes a book called The, the Case for Manchukuo. Um, oh, shit, and, I'm looking this up. And he's and, American, you said, right? Yes, he's American, and and he essentially uh, he 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 rails against the the Guomindang, the the leaders of uh, most of China during this period as being uh, hopelessly corrupt, um, and that he he sort of praises Puyi's leadership of Manchukuo, writing, quote unquote, the one step that the people of the East have taken towards escape from the misery and misgovernment that have become theirs. Japan's protection is its only chance of happiness. Hmm. Um, Rea yeah, would talk about Manchu Kuo, not Japan, though. I thought he's arguing for yeah, but because Kuo's Japan's are like stewards. Jesus, they they really must have paid him quite a bit. I mean, four hundred and twenty-five pages. This book is. God. So so Rea works for uh, Puyi until the bombing of Pearl Harbor, um, but but he's not able to really like get any any ground going. <laughs> it just uh, looks uh, at Puyi. Congress. Ah, yeah. I got a, I got a good 
I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> well, looks like it's time to hit the old dusty trail. And I gotta go, guys. It's been great, it's been fun, but uh, y'all just did some real dumb shit, so I'm out. <laughs> well, and, it wasn't them, of, but he's gotta get the fuck out of there anyway. Yeah, deuces. And, and one of the things that that sort of goes against them is is that in 1936, there's this case called the uh, the Caspi case, um, where that there were um, that there were six defendants who are all Russian fascists, um, sort of uh, former uh, whites, as in the the faction from the Russian Civil War. Um, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah, we, we, thank God we did an episode on this before, so that we kind of knew. So, <laughs> so they they've gone from just being like like sort of like proto fascists to going to being full on fascists. Mask um, off. And and so the the Japanese uh, prosecutor had had argued in the case that that all six of the defendants that he had called them uh, quote unquote Russian patriots who raised the flag against a world danger communism. Um. So they they killed this um they they killed this guy named uh, Caspi who they had uh, tortured and and then killed. Um. The the Chinese judges convicted and sentenced the six uh, Russians um against the um against the the wishes of the Japanese um the these Russians were members of what was called the uh, the Russian fascist party um, I say how about the Russians like the Chinese did this at the behest of the Japanese but well but he think well, this Russia how they felt well the Soviet Union would have would have hung them too um the, the oh, actually are fucked all the way around yeah I Wait, think so their best I, chance was China well well essentially what happens is they get because China up to that point had been like a no man's land, so they just uh-huh. sort of get pushed in over the border, um, and they're just sort of biding their time. And a lot of these like Russians end up fighting for the Japanese. There's there's a lot of weird pictures of of Caucasians dressed in Japanese military uniforms, and it's because they they join um, the the Kwantung army. Huh. What? Weird. Um, and Why? and so the the Russian fascist party uh, called these uh, men quote unquote martyrs for holy Russia. Um, and they presented Puyi with a um, with a petition um, to for him to pardon them, but but Puyi refused. Um, but but what happens is is that when it's appealed to the uh, the Supreme Court, um, the Japanese judges um, uh, reverse it, um, and they order the six men to be freed. Did Russia? I'm sorry. Did the Soviet Union petition to have them freed just so that they could hang them themselves? No, no. This Russian fascist party. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, I thought um, it was the Soviet Union government, like, hey, let our men go. No, 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 no. no. We'll take our men. We'll take him. Yes, yes. Well, let him go. Because there's we'll like, because like, what what thing they do to one of the leaders? I I don't think it's the leader of this party, but but they sort of like they they sort of tell him that that everything's like forgiven and they're gonna give him like a book deal or whatever as long as he like comes back and like says he's sorry. And like the second he gets off the plane, they they arrest him and then execute him. <laughs> No, pinky just, swear, bro. Pinky swear, bro. Just come back, bro. I promise. They just, I talked to him. He's like, uh, that's some, like, Sonny Corleone shit right there, that's, man. They yeah. just bust. Hey, Carlos, they, they just, uh, your sister again. You better go get him. All right. I'll take the toll booth. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I um, talked to Stalin. He's fine. Just come back, bro. He's fine. He doesn't care. He said come back. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, so the the case had been um, somewhat notable in in Western media, um, but but because of what what happened, it sort of further tarnishes the image of of Manchukuo and, and Puyi's actual power within the country. Okay, I could see that. Um, so and, it, and another thing that happens is in 1936, 
um, an aristocrat named uh, Lin uh, Sheng. Um, he he was serving as governor of one of the the provinces of of Manchukuo, um, and his uh, his son was engaged to marry um, one of Puyi's younger sisters. Um, but but Ling Sheng was arrested after complaining about um, the the Japanese continually interfer- interfering in in the work he was doing. Um, and Puyi uh, attempted to ask um, Yoshioka to to do something, um, but when um, the Kwantung Army's commander, um, General uh, Kenkichi Ueda, visited Puyi um, to tell him that um, tell him that the matter had been resolved because Ling Sheng had been uh, convicted in a ch- Japanese court martial of "quote unquote" plotting rebellion and had been executed by uh, by beheading. Oh shit! Um, so did they actually so, do it? They, so they did it. They cut his head off. Yeah, they 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 decapitated him. Um, God, and they, yeah, the, the Japanese are really big on that during this period. Yeah, there was a lot uh, of the cat. They were cutting, they had about, like score sheets and shit, like bowling, like, you know. Listen, so in Tokyo during World War II, and I forget the exact time period, the, the newspaper would post a daily count because there was a race to see which Japanese general or officer or whatever could behead the most people. Yeah, it was in, it was in Nanjing, yeah. Every single day, they had a running tally of who cut off the most heads, and it is the most stomach-turning thing that I can think of, where it was gleeful in its reporting. It wasn't like, oh my god, what the fuck is going... It's more like, you'll never guess how many this bitch got today! Seven! What? It's insane! Like, they're happy about it. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, so chopping off heads like it's frisbee golf. And, and... (laughs) And Puyi um, cancels the the wedding um, between his sister. Hey, and I'm not getting fucking this. married no more. <laughs> Send back the cake. <laughs> can he do? Um, that? I mean, I know he can do it, but can he do that? What? Can he cancel, he cancel the wedding? The fucking wedding? Yeah, he's a man. He can cancel their marriage. <laughs> <laughs> he's a fucking man. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't know how to tie his fucking shoes. I don't know how much of a man he is. Jesus Christ. Um. He uses fucking Velcro shoes. How much of a man can you be? Hey, dude. Two words. Velcros, slip are, ons. Velcros are about being pragmatic, okay? <laughs> hey. Not when you're 27. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Um, so, uh, Puyi gradually begins to uh, take a greater interest in traditional um, Chinese um, uh, sort of like uh, spiritual beliefs Sword and, and sort of like f- philosophy such as uh, Confucianism and Buddhism. Mm. Um, but but eventually the Japanese like sort of stop him from, from getting too far into this. Yeah, until um, he realizes and, and, that Hold on a minute, hold on there, buddy. Power is a, use, a useless end goal and that he needs to get the hell out of there and work on himself. <laughs> um, so, and and all of his all of his old supporters are, are gradually being eliminated and replaced by pro-Japanese uh, ministers. Um, so, so mostly what Puyi does during this time is he just signs laws um, that, that the Japanese give him. He, he recites prayers. Um, he, he does sort of like fortune-telling, consulting oracles, um, and just goes on those formal trips I mentioned. I do that so every day. So I'm like Puyi in that respect because I pull my tarot card every morning. <laughs> I got more respect for I'm you like a little I'm sure Puyi. Most had for Puyi dog. Like, <laughs> um, so, so what happens is is that uh, Puyi becomes uh, even more unhappy with his life and, and being a prisoner in his palace, um, and he becomes uh, his, his sort of moods become erratic, 
um, and, and they sort of swing from hours of passivity, um, just, just staring out into space, um, to, to being, like, sadistic with his servants and having them beaten. Mm. Bro, you're you're a figurehead with absolutely zero real power. This country sends people to you just well, to say, "Hey, sign this shit, or else we'll just take you out of your seat of power because we own this country anyway." But just sign this. Go ahead. Thank you. Appreciate. Well, he like he knows everybody in the country like hates him, um, and and the fact that they that they all hate him, um, even though he's the emperor, just just sort of gets to him, um, and he would um, he would sort of impose like house rules on his staff. Um, and that if they had if they had broken too many rules, he would have them um, he would have them flogged in the basement. Um, and, and these were for things like irrespon like quote unquote irresponsible conversations. Um, <laughs> I'd be getting and, my ass beat all fucking day long. <laughs> and, and and eventually the they they begin to become afraid of the the phrase um, take him downstairs um, because um, that that was usually what he said uh, when when people had to be flogged, and there was usually a, at least one flogging a day. Mimi outside. Mimi outside. Mimi outside. I was afraid of the sentence, I'll give you something to cry about. Let's or, give him something so to we, cry about. Or, wait till we get home. Oh, wait till we get I, home, I, dude. That was I the worst. I would audibly flinch if you told me that shit. I was a basic, basic bitch from Jersey, so, you know, if I heard my full Catholic name, I knew. No, same. Shit, same. Was, shit was gone down. My mom. They you with all three. No, they never. They never hit us. I think we got spanked one time. When we were really no, no, young. Okay, they hit you with all three. All three. Of the oh, names. the names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They hit you with the third. When they get you with that third name, you're just like. You're done. Whoop. Um, you, you've like, got a severe done. case of parental anger. Listen, it's not even all three. When they hit you with just the first two. Oh, no. Right. No, dude. You know what? I'll, I'll go a step further. When they hit you with just the one, like when they walk in the room and they're like, "Poo." <laughs> what i'm just trying to be the emperor what 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 um, can you guards so take care of my mom can you get her out of here so all of all of the servants and and pretty much everybody except for puyi's siblings um and their spouses and, and the empress had been caned at one point i didn't think um, you were gonna like end the, that list <laughs> and the empress palace. and her and her concubines and the delivery drivers and 17 <laughs> british journalists <laughs> um and and puyi was also like he was obsessed with uh the servants stealing from him due to witnessing as a child um just just sort of like some ransacking that went on in the forbidden city when um when when troops had come into the city during the the civil war, yeah. Um, so so he so he begins to like he he always looks over the the accounting books for signs of fraud and becomes obsessed with you know making sure everything's there, huh? Um, and he also um, he had a staff of about a hundred people, um, and he also cut down on their food allotment um, to to make sure that they were always uh, hungry, um, and and one of one of his associates um, named Big Lee. Um, he would tell a later uh, biographer, uh, Bear, that that Puyi was was attempting to like make everyone as miserable as he was. So he was like Tony Soprano, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just trying to get everyone into that self pity. So um, Paulie Walnuts. <laughs> who's Paulie Walnuts? That That's probably Big Lee. Is that Kishi? That's Big Lee. A T. A A Puyi. Um. <laughs> 
you know, when the Japanese general comes by and he, he gives uh, Puyi, you know, you always wanted this jacket, Puyi, here it is. Oh, no, that'd be the, yeah, that'd be, who's, who's the Richie April of uh, Manchukuo? Yeah. <laughs> it's the jacket. <laughs> Don't get comfy, I took this jacket off Rocco, whatever. I can't remember his name. DeMeo. Holy shit, I've been watching too many fucking Sopranos clips. Oh my god. <laughs> fucking write the goddamn script out line by line. Oh, it's one of the best shows ever made. F- fucking phenomenal so, show. Um, Puyi eventually becomes a, a devoted uh, uh, Buddhist um, and, and subscribes to sort of like more esoteric and then um, nope. Buddhist mysticism. Was he just nope um, out of power at that point? Because that's the thing I never understood well, about no, that. Well, no, that's the thing. Being a Buddhist religion, and being Steve. in charge of anything is like a complete fucking oxymoronic state. Um, so he, he has statues of, of Buddha put up all over the, the palace, um, and he also bans his staff from eating meat. Wow, yeah, so he went full bore. Um, and if any of the staff were um, had had killed insects or mice, um, he would um, he he would have them flogged. But if he found any insects in his food, um, he would have the cooks flogged. Wait, if you killed an insect or a mouse, you would be flogged? Yeah, because yeah. Buddhists don't kill. No, I get, I get that. Oh, okay. Holy shit! Like, hey, remember, then, we're we're in the forties or the thirties in, right? in China. Well, in China. <laughs> You got a massive fucking, if not rodent, at least insect problem. Right. Yeah. I don't kill. I only kill. The only thing I kill is mosquitoes. Everything else goes outside. I, I don't kill unless you're in my house. If you're in so my house, you go outside. I'll make every effort to get you in a cup. But uh, actually, you know what? Palmetto bugs get fucking murdered. I was going to say, bro, listen, if I get a spider or a snake outside, if I see a palmetto bug... I'm, oh, and, and, I'm going to give a shout-out, though, to Massey uh, Pest Services. They, uh, I never have fucking bugs in my house, ever, and I live around a lot of bugs. <laughs> I just want to point out that you call it a palmetto bug. If you're from up north, and I'm very disappointed that you didn't call it a cockroach... Well, I call, it a, pal- a, I call it a palmetto bug because I live in Florida now for the last 11 nah, years. So I'm... I'm so- Fucking cockroach. Oh, it's a cockroach. Don't try to church it the fuck up. It's a cockroach. <laughs> Absolutely. I moved down here. People were like, oh, no, that's the palmetto bug, sweetie. No. That's, that's that how people make themselves cock. feel Oh, bless your heart. About. Don't say cock. Yeah, yeah don't say cock. Uh, don't that's say cock. Bug. That's a palmetto cock. No, man, so, that is a fucking cockroach. <laughs> so when uh, Puyi has, like, visitors come to the to the Steve, palace. we're talking about cockroaches here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when Puyi has the cockroaches in the palace... <laughs> When when he um when he has visitors he'll he'll give them these like these long <laughs> lectures okay. on the uh, quote unquote glorious history of of the Qing, um but but this is like a form of uh, masochism for him, um be- because he's sort of comparing himself to these former like emperors who ruled China while he's a uh, but while he's yeah, just a see. prisoner in this like this <laughs> palace he's a do boy. Um, his his um his wife the empress uh, uh Wanrong, um she would um she she actively hated uh Puyi because remember she's like gone full into like opium addiction to deal with the her, her sort of like pain and misery right, um, right. And, and she would sort of balk him behind his back by wearing um by by putting on dark glasses and sort of like mocking uh the way that he moved um and this is because when he had lived in um in Tianjin 
Um, he had started wearing dark glasses because that was uh, it, during that time period. That was like the way of uh, the way of hinting that you were uh, that you were a homosexual or bisexual. Is wearing dark glasses? Yeah, like walking around in like dark glasses. That was, that was sort of like you know the the earring in the the left ear, I guess. <laughs> oh my Cause, god! Because remember, this is also like the nineteen. Um, this is like the nineteen twenties. So it's okay. not like so it's not like sunglasses are a common uh, thing in in China. Yeah. No, I'm just I'm just kind of laughing because I remember that that whole if you if you're a guy and you have an earring in the right ear you're gay. Like, yeah, yeah, my doctor right asked ear. me about that once when I had my ring on my cares, I had my ring on my right hand and she asked me you know if I had any like male sex partners and I was like nope, but you really shouldn't fucking ask me that question. And also, why the fuck do you care? It's ridiculous, you know. Again, it just it just mind your fucking business. Yeah, just seriously, it's ridiculous. Anyway. I don't think there is a legitimate reason to ask that. On April 3rd, 1937, uh, Puyi's uh, younger brother, um, uh, Puja, is, uh, he's <laughs> proclaimed to be the... <laughs> um, he's proclaimed to be the heir apparent because he marries a, um, a Japanese, um, a, a Japanese uh, lady, as in the... Um, as in a member of the nobility, mm-hmm. uh, Hirosaga, who is a, a distant cousin of Emperor Hirohito. A Japanese lady! I know, it's, um, that's what the, I heard, too, when he said that. Lady! Shout out to Bill Burr. Shout out to, like, the first episode, when, <laughs> the yeah. day the clown cried. <laughs> so, um, th- this had been arranged by a, a Kwantung Army General, uh, Shigeru H- uh, Honjo, Um uh, and it had been done for uh, political reasons. Um, of course, of course. What other reasons so, they do it for? So, so after this, uh, Puyi um, wouldn't um, uh, would would not speak candidly in front of his brother, um, and he refused to eat any of the food that Lady Saga provided uh, because he thought that she was a <coughs> Japanese spy. I could see that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I could and, see not eating her fucking food. And. Uh, <laughs> And and Puyi was forced to sign an agreement that if he if that he had a male heir, that his uh, child would be sent to Japan to be raised by the Japanese. His child Again, would be a masculine be, child. How could you not be clinically depressed? Your entire life is controlled by these people that live across a fucking sea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Listen, excuse the fucking Irish in me, please. Okay. No, no, you're good. <laughs> No, you're fine. I, I, I get it. You definitely are going to be depressed but, a little bit. But but eventually, eventually, uh, Puyi begins to, um, to to trust her more because Lady Saga is actually a um, she she's a, a xenophile. She's fucking hot. Um, and and she um, <laughs> he trusts her because she's hot. And she's well, I don't I don't think he'd care about that unless she was a man. Oh, uh, was he was he homosexual? Wait, really? Uh yeah, like we'll we'll get to it, but he he had a habit of um of of like sort of like molesting and and like making Oof. advances on like chamber boys. I mean, there's, oh man, yeah, Dad, we <clears> there's nothing wrong with being gay. And you said that he molested. Yeah. That's not a good look. Yeah, it's not that he's gay. No, it, was, it sounds like he's a fucking pedophile. That's what it comes yeah, out to. Like yeah, it's, yeah. Um, so she she actually like she she stops wearing like kimonos and and starts wearing. Um, Changsums, um, mm-hmm. which is like the um, uh, Chi Pao is also what it's called. Yeah, um, like Changli. 
Yeah, in order to um, in order to show you know that she was actually you know um, was was all right with things, so that she was only there because she was his brother's wife. Okay. Um, and it and it's kind of like and and Bear the uh, the biographer also notes that it was it was kind of ironic because she was like the only person that wanted to be like wanted to like get to know him, and mm-hmm. and he just like wanted nothing to do with her. <laughs> I curved her. <laughs> um, and in and in April of 1937, um, a, a, a Manchu aristocrat, um, Tan uh, Yuling, also moved into the palace um, and became Puyi's concubine. Um, but we don't really know um, if if they ever like had sex. Why not? Because um, because she never produced any children. Yeah, I mean... I just uh, want to point something out real quick. Here we go. <laughs> you don't have to produce children to have... Or you don't have to produce children to have sex. Well, it's also... You have to remember, it's the 1930s, and... and so they definitely like, don't know about birth control. And... Especially in China. Um, and he... He needs to have, like, a child. Because he's the emperor. Like, he has to have a child. Okay. Um, so, uh, Lady Saga attempts to, like, improve the relationship between Puyi and his wife, um, by having them eat dinner together, and it had been the first time that they had, that they had shared a meal in three years. Jesus. Three years. Um, and, and based on, like, sort of interviewing people, um, that, that had lived at the Salt Palace Bear had found that, um, that... Puyi's interest mainly lay in very young girls um, that that was bordering on, as, as mentioned, pedophilia, um, and that uh, and that Puyi was was most likely uh, bisexual, and even himself had said that he was a bit of a, a sadist in his relationships with women. Um, so and you say very young girls bordering on pedophilia. I say, if you're a very young girl, you're a pedophile. If you're going after very young girls, there's no borderline there. Like, well, well I think within in the the context of the time, I, I think he mainly means like like fifteen, sixteen year olds. Like, I don't want to hear you. I, I'm not gonna. It's I'm pronounced not, a be- like, ebophilia. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna make the ebophilia argument, but I think it's what he's saying <laughs> is that like this. This is back in the days when like you got married when you were like fifteen. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 still fucking gross. It's gross. It's again, gross. He's it's like gross by stories, our right? standards, and we yeah, all agree. Yeah, it's gross by our standards. No, like, we all like agree 30, that right? it's gross. Like, just like he's we're not 30, racists, though. you know what I mean? But well, again, he's he, he's thirty. If he was eighteen, nineteen, twenty, marrying a fifteen, sixteen-year-old, I'd be like, all right, the times are a little bit different. It's fucking weird, but okay. Sure. He's like thirty. Marrying yeah, a it's it's a shame. That's Let's, fucked. Uh, um, right. But but what but what he really because but but his main interest lies in um, teenage boys, um, and and he would often have uh, choose um, handsome um, teenage boys to be uh, page boys for him, and uh, Lady Saga had had no- noted that he um, that that he was fond of uh, sodomizing them. Oh, so he liked the handsome boys, the cute boys. Yeah, I guess I'd pretty boys, inner city boys, um, Mississippi she, boys. She wrote- she wrote in her <laughs> she wrote in her 1957 uh, memoir um, uh, memoirs of a wandering princess 
Um, of course, I had heard rumors concerning such great men in our history, but I never knew such things existed in the living world. Now, however, I learned that the emperor had an unnatural love for a page boy. He was referred to as, quote-unquote, the male concubine. Could these perverted habits, I wondered, have driven his wife to opium smoking? Oh, my husband likes diddling little boys. I wonder if that has to do with her smoking opium um, to cope. And, well, it's also the fact that they, they've been together for, for a while and they haven't produced any children. Right, which is always um, like a... Like, back then, if you were married, even if you weren't the emperor, if you were married and there were no kids, they just assumed there was a problem there. Yeah. Um, uh, Puyi's uh, brother, uh, uh, Puja, um, he, he told Bear, he, he noted that, he, he said, quote unquote, that Puyi was uh, biologically incapable of reproduction, which is just sort of like a, a term they used in China to say that they were, uh, that that person was gay. That's a hell of a way to put it. It's actually, um, it sounds like a galaxy brain take, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson thing. <laughs> It almost sounds like somebody trying to be, like, super woke, uh, you but, know, like, sounding really shitty. Yeah, it's pretty bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, no, he's just incapable of reproducing. Um, that's, there's straight people like that, though. Yeah, but you have to remember this is also during a period, you know, when homosexuality is, like, a crime. Yeah. That gets yeah. you, like... Chemical castration gets, or, yeah. or killed. At, it, and, those, and those are in, like, the forward, you know, thinking countries. Yeah. Forward yeah. thinking. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the regressive countries, you went to prison. Yeah. yeah, you went to prison in the progressive countries. In the regressive countries, you were murdered. Yep. And everything in between. Um, so, for for instance, uh, one of the page boys had fled the palace um, to, to escape Puyi's advances, um, and that uh, Puyi had ordered him to be given um, to give him a harsh flogging, which, which ended up killing the boy, um, and that he had the floggers flogged for killing the boy. God damn. Um, so in <laughs> so af- so after after the second Sino-Japanese War begins in July of 1937, um, Puyi issues a declaration of support for Japan. Um, and in August of 1937, uh, Kishi uh, writes up a decree for Puyi, um, calling for the use of of slave labor um, to be conscripted both in, in Manchukuo in northern China, um, stating, "quote unquote, uh, times of emergency." Um, and so Kishi sees, um, using, uh, actual literal slavery as opposed to like the virtual slavery they had as a way to, uh, save money, um, for the war effort. Hey guys, times are real tough. Um, I hate to be the bear bad news, but we're going to have to enslave you. Sorry. The economy's really um, bad. So, so large numbers of Japanese peasants are, are rounded up by the Japanese, um, and these, these Chinese peasants are sent to Manchukuo to work in the factories and the mines. Um, so uh, from 1938 until the end of the war, um, about a million Chinese people are taken every year um, from, from the countryside in Manchukuo or northern China to be slaves in, in the factories and mines. Ugh. Ugh. Um, all, all Puyi really knows about what's going on comes from the briefings he's given from his, his handler, um, Yoshioka. Um, so he's and, not getting the full picture of what's Well, for instance, he didn't um he didn't find out about the rape of of Nanjing until uh much later. Who? Um, Wait, it, the emperor? Yeah, he hadn't heard about the rape of Nanjing until like much afterwards and his brother also confirmed that. When you say the rape of Nanjing, are you talking about like 
Am I being ignorant if I call it Nan King? Same thing. Well, it's it's it, Nan Nan Jing is the the correct pronunciation. Okay, Nan, so Nan King is if an I old... say the rape of Nan King. I'm being ignorant. No, you would, you're you say Nan Jing. You're not being ignorant. It's just that it depends on who wrote the report or who's reporting it. Well, it's it's just outdated. Yeah. It's it's not a it's not a modern way. It's like of saying a British it. way of like interpreting it. I think. Uh, well, it's it's based on the old system of transliteration, which is is based more on a Cantonese pronunciation than a um, yeah, yeah, th- than like an actual Mandarin pronunciation. Okay, but if you're talking about whether or not you know what it is, yeah, it's the same thing. Okay. Um, Fucking so, awful. So, tomato, tomato, gotcha. And <laughs> so, on, on February fourth, nineteen thirty-eight, um, uh, Joachim uh, von Ribbentrop becomes the the German foreign minister. Um, so a- after he becomes foreign minister, um, he himself hated uh, the Chinese. Um, so German foreign policy swings in an anti-Chinese and pro-Japanese direction. Um, so because of that, um, on on February twentieth, nineteen thirty-eight, um, Hitler announces that that Germany was going to recognize Manchu Kuo. Oof! Hitler announces that Germany will recognize Manchu Kuo. Right? That's what I just heard? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm glad um, that none of the other countries recognized it, because I feel like that's the wrong team to be part of. When, when, the, uh, when the outgoing uh, German ambassador at that time to Japan, um, Herbert von uh, Dirksen, um, is, is leaving, one of his last acts is he visits Puyi at the Salt Palace to tell him that they're going to establish a, a German embassy um, in Xinjiang. Um, and it would be um, alongside the the other um, embassies um, that had um, that had recognized um, uh, Manchu Kuo. Like I want to say it's not a bad thing, but also um, it's the fucking Nazis. <laughs> like I want to say international recognition is not terrible, but also the the recognition from the countries that you're getting. Um, and How about that, yeah. Because um, initially, when, when El Salvador had recognized uh, Manchu Kuo in 1934, Puyi had been very excited. Um, but, but by 1938, he didn't really care about Germany's recognition of Manchu Kuo. Okay. Um, so in, in May of 1938, um, Puyi is declared a, a god by the religions law um, in, in a very like sort of Japanese way, as in um, and it's sort of modeled after um, Japan's uh, cult of emperor worship that existed at that time. Puyi is known as the god of spinelessness. The, um, cow- the god so, of cowardice. So so school children would begin their days by by praying to a portrait of, of Puyi, uh, while the imperial rescript of education and the imperial regalia um, became um, sacred relics um, that were that were deemed by law to be imbued with uh, magical powers due to their association with the god emperor. Bro. <laughs> Um, and oh and one of the main reasons why they did this is because of the the Second Sino-Japanese War. Um, the the Japanese want to want to sort of begin a full totalitarian uh, mobilization of of Manchu Kuo for the war. Um, and his Japanese handlers believed that um, ordinary people um, in in the places that they they controlled, such as uh, Japan, Korea, and Taiwan, were more willing to um, sacrifice for a, a total war if it was on under religious premises, and they thought that the same would be true in Manchu Kuo. Wow. Okay. Um, and and after after 
the Japanese invade China, um, they, they began a puppet government under a, a President Wang uh, Jingwei, um, which, is, which is founded in November 1938, which, which further uh, crushes uh, Puyi's hopes and dreams of becoming emperor again, because if, if Wang Jingwei is the, uh, is the president of, of China, um, then he can't be emperor. I'm sorry, did you say emperor again? Hasn't he already been emperor twice now? Well, he's, he's just the emperor of Manchu Kuo. Oh, uh, okay, he wants all he, of China. He wants, okay. he wants all of China. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, oh God, what the fuck does this guy want? He's been emperor twice already. What the fuck? <laughs> so, so Puyi, um, he, he eventually, his mental health begins to further decay, and he becomes a hypochondriac, um, and he, he starts taking a lot of um, uh, sort of, like, things for... Uh, sicknesses that he imagines he has you know his his chronic Lyme I guess or, or whatever <laughs> chronic Lyme you uh, have uh, chronic Lyme it's called it, fibromyalgia also <laughs> known if you are having a quote unquote quote unquote flare up it's called fibro storm he was having a fibro storm I was gonna I say to, if you're the one woman that I talked to you have end stage fibromyalgia ugh Yep. Um, you heard it here first. Ex- I remember when Art Bell like would like he had his own commercials for his show. So like when you listen to it, it was like C Crane and like you know the radio company, which they make good radios, and uh, and it would be like just a bunch of people hawking like get rich quick or like medicinal right. schemes, you know, like right. take moringa root anally and get better today, you know, and <laughs> shove ginger up. And there was just there was always just this one thing for like. <laughs> I forget what it was. I think it was chelation for fibromyalgia. <laughs> like do like do kegels? No chelation. <laughs> I just said- kegels. Yeah, it was kegels for fibromyalgia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking the average fibromyalgia patient. Boys, and I'm like, <laughs> work your waterfall muscles. Um, so uh, Puyi also begins taking um different different types Moringa of uh, root. Horm- hormones and other things. <laughs> To improve his uh, sex drive, because Elderberry. he because he desperately wants to father a, a son, and that he's become convinced that the Japanese were, were poisoning him to make him sterile. Yeah, they were giving him salt, Peter. Um, <laughs> and, and he was happy too because his uh, because his brother had had was not had not had a son yet. Um, they had had uh, two daughters, which under the the law of inheritance and in, in Manchukuo could not become um, emperor, right, or empress. Yeah. But, so but it's a race to who has a first boy. So uh, uh, eventually what happens, though, is that Wan Rong um, becomes pregnant because in 1935 she carried on an affair with uh, Puyi's chauffeur. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so um, as and in order to punish her, um, after she uh, gave birth, um, she had to watch as the, uh, the Japanese doctors um, poisoned her, her, her newborn child in front of her. They killed the baby? Yeah, and after that, she's like completely broken, um, and she's lost her um, lost her will to live, and she spends as much time um, as possible um, high on opium. So they killed the baby specifically so there couldn't be a, a lineage for emperor. Well, no, because the be, because it was uh, it was from an affair. They the, oh. the, and and okay. Puyi knew Puyi knew it was going to happen, um, and he didn't do anything to stop them. I mean, she cheated on my boy Puyi, of course. Mm. Fuck her. Uh, but um, 
Am I wrong? I'm sorry. Am I wrong? I don't care how spotless but, he is. You should well, cheat. Well, it, he, fuck he, he, he also, um, he was cheating on her. He, he also feels that he was, um, that he was cowardly because his ghostwriter, no, um, he is for, his, right. for his book, um, Emperor to Citizen, his, his biography, um, she told, um, Bear, the historian, that, that, um, that he, um, that, that Puyi wouldn't talk about it because he was so, um, he was so ashamed of, of not doing anything to stop them. Oh man, dude, listen, if you're gonna make a call like that, that's one of those calls you gotta fucking live with, and you gotta, you just gotta, yes, I did it, fuck it, own it. Every time it comes up, you just gotta own it, that's one of those things, man. Yeah, I fucked up. Um, yep, mm-hmm. So, after, um, so in 1939, what happens is, is that there's a, a border dispute between, uh, Manchu Kuo and the, uh, Mongolian People's Republic, which results in a, a battle called the Battle of, um, Kalkingol. And, and eventually what happened... The Battle of Cock and Ball. Sound like, that sounds like, yeah, like a Conan Cock and battle. Bowl. <laughs> like, it sounds like a battle, like, like, from Conan. Um, Battle so of Cock and Goal. Okay. Um... But but eventually, what happens in this battle is that the the uh, a combined Soviet and Mongolian force defeats uh, the Kwantung army, um, and this causes um, this this causes Japan to focus more on the south than in the north because they see that they can't really fight the Soviet Union yet. Gotcha. I like how Steve said that real slow. Where he was like, "Kalkin, gold." I'm pretty <laughs> sure if I had a camera on him, his eyes would be rolling out of his fucking head. He's just. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Nah, dude. There's um, no way. Like, I can't yeah. fucking. I don't know what the fuck he's saying either. I just let him say cool. it. <laughs> Under his breath. It's obviously a foreign <laughs> word. I, you know, I have no idea. Yeah, it's a Mongolian name. Yeah. Um. So it sounds like a dish you would eat, like with Klingons. I mean, I have no I'll fucking idea. I'll take a D13, the Kalkin Ghoul. Yeah, I'll take some Gog and some Kalkin Ghoul, please. A little side of boneless parabs, thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> after. After Japan um, bombs Pearl Harbor and enters into the war, um, all the other Axis powers um, recognize Manchu Kuo as as a as an independent country. Huh? How many of the Axis powers? Just because I'm not familiar with this, so maybe you can enlighten me. How many of the Axis powers looked at Japan after Japan bombed Pearl Harbor and were like, "What did you do?" Or were they all kind of like, "Fuck yeah, go for it, bro, YOLO." Um, I, I believe they were they were they were fine with it because they didn't expect the United States to like do as much. Yeah. Um, because because like Hitler the Monroe Doctrine. To fight the, <laughs> Hitler expected to fight the United States at some point, and they they were just deluded enough to believing that they were going to. Well, I mean, they they invaded the Soviet Union, so it's not like they're the they're the smart people, you know. It's not they like they're they're the, the ones Soviet like Soviet Union heading into winter. You fucking moron! Yeah, it's nah, like we're gonna we're gonna invade the Soviet Union in in like late late July, and then see how see how things will will be done by Christmas. We have long shirts, <laughs> socks, um, and then literally th- literally like six months later, it was ah, 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 we're running for our lives. We're running for our <laughs> lives. Stop! Stop! It's a little <laughs> bit colder than we thought. It was a prank, bro. It was a prank. We're leaving. We're leaving. <laughs> um. So it, it just uh, after after Japan bombs uh, Pearl Harbor. Wait, the way the, war, the way you describe the Russia the the Eastern Front, like it sounds like uh like uh those comedy Comedy Central shows. Why can I never remember the name of that show? 
impractical jokers. Like they 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 tricked like Germany to go into Russia during winter, and they're just behind the scenes. Like I can't believe you got them to do it. <laughs> they're, behind the they're behind the scenes. That you're like, all right, now now. And I tell Hitler to go in, 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 into Stalingrad. Yeah. In We're going to go in July. Like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Um, so after after the war declarations are given out, um, Puyi uh, follows Japan and declares war on both the United States and Great Britain. Um, but since neither of those countries had recognized Manchukuo, they never did such in kind. Okay. <laughs> That's like your little brother's friend being like, I want to fight you. I don't like you. Who the fuck is this kid? No, um, and, and after and after uh, war is declared, uh, Puyi becomes like sort of a um, a propaganda tool for the Japanese of, of telling like other Asian um, peoples and nations, you know, that like they, they too can like lead their own country. Um, and and after the war is declared as well. Um, Puyi's father uh, refuses to um, to have anything to do with him. Ooh. Damn, that sucks. Sorry, Puyi. Um, even um, even Puyi uh, complained about how many uh, pro-Japanese statements he had to make during the war, um, and and he he complained about this because he felt that he had he had made so many of these uh, quote unquote slavish uh, statements that that nobody on the Allied side. Um, would take him if he escaped from Manchukuo. Wow. Hey, listen, whose fault is that? <laughs> he did it of his own volition. Nobody held a gun to his head. Well, um, physically, arguably. And he listen, he could have said whatever he wanted, and the Japanese could have executed him, and he could have died with a clean conscience knowing that he was not doing the fucking bidding. Sure, I don't think he was ever going to go in that direction about anything, ever. <laughs> But he has no morals. But <laughs> um, interestingly enough, uh, one of his few visits um, that that he made outside of the the palace after war is declared was in June of 1942, where he visited the Manchukuo Military Academy and he awarded um, a, a star student a gold watch for outstanding performance. That that star student was named uh, Takagi Masao, um, who who was actually um, it was actually a Korean. Um, who some people might know as uh, Park Chung-hee, um, who, who becomes dictator of South Korea in 1961. I was going to say, that um, sounds very familiar. soy sauce. And he is, uh, <laughs> he is one of the most um, brutal uh, dictators of the 20th century. Oh. Um, and he's also sort of the father of modern like, Korea. So are you, are you implying that the gold watch was somehow enchanted? And yes. <laughs> well, well, obviously it didn't come from Puyi. So you got to have some balls to do a military coup Again. and oh, become like a dictator. Spineless coward Puyi. <clears throat> Don't talk about my boy like that. <laughs> Poo. Only I can talk um, about Puyi like and in, that. And in coward. August of 1942, um, Puyi's concubine, um, Tan Yuling, um, fell ill and died. Tanya uh, after being his his, his his concubine, Tan... You oh, I thought you said Tanya Link. I was like, wait a minute. No, Tanya Harding. Tanya Harding. Um, That's a good she, movie, by the way. What's that movie called that just came out? Hi, Tanya. Oh, so good. Yeah, it is really good. <laughs> Such a good film. Um, the um, the because the the doctors that she had seen were the same ones who had murdered um his wife's uh child. Um, that that he that he came to believe that she was murdered by the Japanese. I mean, 
I can understand his association. Um, so he he would testify at the Tokyo war crimes trial that he, he believed that she was murdered by the Japanese doctors. Um, and he would keep a lock of her, her hair and her um, nail clippings um, for the rest of his life as, as, uh, as, as sort of his um, way of showing his sadness over her loss. That's fucking weird. Just that, pe- people Just used grief. to people used to do stuff like there's that. There's a name. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton there's had a pile of Angelina Jolie's blood around his neck. Yeah, but she's not dead. Where people do sh- do fucking weird shit. There's yeah, but a the name for that. People would take hair and stuff. Yeah. There's a name for it. Like there's a specific word meaning like a death memento that. Yeah, lunatic. <laughs> but in um, no, he, he would even though the Japanese wanted him to take a Japanese concubine. Um, he refused to take one, and in 1943, he took a, a Chinese concubine, uh, Li Yuchin, um, who was the 16-year-old daughter of a waiter. And what year was this? Um, so this is in 1943. Okay, um, so he's in his late 30s, taking 16-year-old girls, again, pedophile. And, and again, his, his main interest was still in page boys. Um, so, oh, through most of World War II, Puyi, like, like most of the population of Japan during the war, um, believes that, that Japan is winning the war. Um, and it's not until 1944 that he started to doubt, um, doubt this after seeing, uh, reports of the Japanese press about, uh, quote-unquote heroic sacrifices in Burma and on, uh, Pacific Islands, um, while the Japanese start building air raid shelters, um, but in I mean, Manchu. He wasn't wrong then, because Japan was, by all rights, kicking fucking ass in. Well, the well no, they they like. I mean, they, up until up until like almost the end, Japan was doing well until the United not, States finally. Not was really. Like, um, no, they were. I think they were like more on like the edge they, of losing most of the time. They they had they had some early like victories, but they. They they I essentially just, had to close it out within the first six months and they didn't. So after I mean, that, they're yeah. they're just losing. By the way, I, like, I don't like, know any better than Ryan. Was very like, large, and I what, know that they did very. All I know is that when I used to play Battlefield 1942, we would kick the shit out of. Them. <laughs> um, I've been playing Battlefield Five, and let me tell you. These Japanese motherfuckers are good. I can't fucking beat them. Um, so, so eventually, what he does is that he he begins to, um, and this is according to um, some of his family members, that that he becomes to want America to win the war, um, and that in um, by by mid nineteen forty four, um, he he's actually like built up enough courage to secretly. Um, listen to Chinese uh, broadcasts on on his radio um, uh, to hear about because um, because these broadcasts were also being done by the Americans um, and he was shocked to learn you know that Japan had had been suffering like so many defeats since 1942. Me too, buddy. Build up courage to listen to the radio. Well, yeah, it's like it's like because he's always being watched. Like he's, he's an also, emperor. Yeah, but but he they could get rid of him at any time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a prisoner. <laughs> I forgot I forgot about the sword of Damocles hanging right above him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and eventually, um, that he um uh, that 
that it gets to a point where at one point he has to give a speech to a group of, of Japanese um, infantrymen who had volunteered to be uh, what, what the Japanese called human bullets. Um, and that was that they would essentially be suicide bombers. Right. Operation Human Shield. Um, and, and as he was like reading the speech, um, he, he said that, uh, quote unquote, only then did I see the ashen gray of their faces and the tears flowing down their cheeks and, and hear their sobbing. That's the other thing. People always try to make it seem like these kamikazes were like these brave stoic warriors. I'm like, these kids were like fucking 18, 19 years old. They were probably shitting their fucking pants. I don't care um, about what you think of the Japanese military and how hard they were. I've never heard anyone make that, that. I'm sure people do, but I've never heard anyone make that. Yeah, that's like that's like Werribee stuff where they're like, well, you know, the Tiger yeah. Tank was the greatest, yeah, greatest vehicle that's like ever people made. People who praise it the Germans. You, it, only, yeah. it only takes you like five days to like change it tread on it but yeah it's <laughs> if you see it in action you're immediately like what the fuck is that clown talking about <laughs> well no it, it is like a nice vehicle but it's also like one of those things where if you look at the transmission for it like it's like it's no BMW. wonder no what no wonder you people it's lost german. the war <laughs> it's a fucking german it's bmw it's mercedes it's well, nice well actually i crying. believe that i believe the tiger is a porsche but <laughs> oh even <my> God. <laughs> worse um so he, he sort of begins to, because he sort of realizes the level of fanaticism that the Japanese have, have sort of gone to as the war's gone on, and he becomes, like, utterly terrified of, of like, what's going to happen. Okay. Um, so what, what happens is on August 8th, 1945, uh, the Soviet Union declares war on Japan um, as part of their agreement at Yalta. That's um, impressive, being that the Japan, Japanese already kicked their ass once or twice? No, the Soviet Union beat them. I thought Japan beat the goal. Soviet Union in a in a naval battle that everybody was like, "What?" Well, no, that was the Russo-Japanese War. That was Imperial Russia. That was also like forty years before that. Yeah, they had wooden yeah, boats. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't realize that the Soviet Union was like rocky, like da 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 da, like coming back in, <laughs> like we're gonna take round two. <clears throat> um. So so what happens is is that they invade uh, Manchukuo from Manchuria and or they they invade from. Um, sort of the border regions around uh, Manchuria, which, remember, I called Outer uh, Manchuria, um, in Russia, um, and also from Mongolia. Um, the the commander of the the Kwantung army, um, Otozo Yamato, told Puyi um, uh, that this had happened the day after, um, and that he had assured uh, Puyi that the Kwantung army would easily defeat uh, the, the Soviets. Um, and, and right after he told him that, um, the air raid sirens um, sounded in the city, um, and the Red Air Force began uh, bombing the city, um, forcing all of them to hide in the basement. Wow. Um, so <laughs> when the when the Soviets invaded, um, which which they do invade like very quickly, like they they push through the Japanese like it's nothing. Um, the the Manchukuo's army on paper is two hundred thousand um, men. Uh, most of them are. are during the fighting, they performed very poorly, um, and and whole units would surrender to the Soviets without firing any shots. Uh, um, that's all that is. And, and there were also there were also cases of armed riots and mutinies against the Japanese forces. Um, and uh, for the what was called the Manchurian Strategic um, Offensive Operation by the Soviets, um, the Soviets and, and Mongol troops numbered. Um, one million five hundred and seventy-seven thousand seven hundred and twenty-five. God. Um, so, so these are all Damn. these are these are all troops and commanders who who are veterans of fighting um, on the Eastern Front. Um, they have modern 
um, Soviet weapons um, and tanks. They have artillery, um, aircraft. Um, Going against 200,000, uh, what did you call them, Steve? Manchu Quoks? Manchuks. Manchukuo Imperial Army. Yeah, 200,000 Manchuks? Yeah. And then the, oh, the, the, the Kwantung Army as well. That's going to be, oh man, that's going to be bad. Okay. It's like watching an NFL team play against a Pop Warner team. It's just gonna yeah. be flat. The, the, the Kwantung the Army giants. at that time was around. Uh, <laughs> the, the Kwantung Army. The annexation of Puerto Rico. I call was, this play the annexation of Puerto Rico. Such a good movie. <laughs> uh, they uh, it was uh, seven hundred and thirteen thousand. So, so the Soviets almost have like double the number of troops. Whoa! Um, and Fuck. and the and the Kwantung army was not prepared because they expected the Soviets to invade in nineteen forty six. Um, so they didn't have um, they didn't have a, as many tanks as they had wanted and as many anti tank guns. I don't care about all that. You, you, the key thing you said was that the Soviet people that or the Soviet army were veterans of the Eastern Front. That's all you needed to say. That is all I needed to hear. They were going to steamroll whoever came up against them because that was a d- bad, disgusting ha- way to have to fight in just a cold. And dude, listen, those are vets right there. Yep. Those are um, like the OG vets. So, the the following day. Um, Yamada returns and tells Puyi that the Soviets have already broken through the defensive lines in northern Manchukuo, um, and that the that he told them that the Kwantung army would would hold the line um, in southern Manchukuo, but that Puyi had to leave at once. Um, so as this is happening, um, Puyi orders all of, all of, um, all of the imperial treasures to be boxed up and shipped out, um, and, and this causes the palace to to go into a panic. Um, and while this is happening, Puyi looks out the window and sees that um, sees Manchu Kuo Imperial Army soldiers are taking off their uniforms and deserting. A <laughs> <laughs> man said, "Yo, listen, them dudes are coming. Them dudes have fought in Stalingrad. Nah, we out. Bye." Yep. <laughs> Find um, else. So, in order to test the response of of his Japanese minders, um, Puyi puts on his uh, his like uniform as as commander in chief of the army. And he announces to them, quote unquote, we must support the holy war of our parental country with all our strength and must resist the Soviet armies to the end, to the very end. Um, after that, um, Yoshioka um, uh, fled the room. I hate how people like him find a spine in like the last meh, 30 minutes of when it matters. Um, during during the chaos, a group of Japanese soldiers arrive at the palace. Um, uh, Puyi initially thinks they're there to kill him. Um, but they they went away when they see that he's um, that he's still in the palace. Um, they most likely probably wanted to loot the palace before they themselves ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the staff at the palace flee, um, and uh, Puyi tries to call the the Kwantung Army HQ, um, but their but his calls are unanswered because most of the officers had already fled to Korea. Um, <laughs> one of his one of his minders. Um, a, a Japanese man named Amakasu um, actually uh, kills himself by swallowing a cyanide pill, um, and and as he's sort of like leaving leaving the city to go to the railroad station in his uh, car, um, he he's booed by uh, by the people. After he swallowed the cyanide pill? No, no. This is Puyi. His I'm saying his mind. Oh, one of oh, his minders okay. just kills himself, okay. and then Puyi leaves to go to the train station. Um, so, he's booed. Yeah. He's so booed. So on on August eleventh, nineteen forty five, um, the the train that's carrying Puyi 
um, and, and members of his, his family and, and some of his remaining ministers and the, the Qing treasures uh, leaves um, Cheng Chun. And, and as it's sort of leaving the city, he sees um, thousands of um, panic, um, panic Japanese settlers um, fleeing south in like large, just, just sort of like caravans. Yeah. Um, at every railroad station they stop at, um, there are hundreds of Japanese uh, colonists attempting to board the train. Um, as uh, Puyi recounts that, that many of them were like weeping and begging for the, the Japanese um, military police um, to let them pass. Um, and at several places, too, that Japanese soldiers are actively fighting um, the, the military police um, to, to just sort of like get out of there. Um, as, um, it, it, as they stop later on, um, General Yamada boards the train, um, it, as it's going to the south, um, and tells, uh, Puyi that, uh, the Japanese army was winning, um, and had, it had destroyed, uh, large numbers of tanks and aircraft, but, but nobody on the train, like, believes him. Oh <laughs> so, my w- god. W- was he being, for real, or was he lying? He was, he was lying. Oh, okay. That, that's, that's mostly what the Imperial, uh, Japanese military does. Is that like if they, they just lie. like they just lie and they lie all the time to like the emperor and stuff like they're like oh yeah you know we we lost but they like double the number of like like ships they destroyed. Nah, bro, we're doing fan fucking tastic. No reason to check. Um, on this. we're doing great. And, and on August fifteenth, nineteen forty five, um, Puyi hears the radio address by Emperor Hir- Emperor Hirohito announcing that Japan had surrendered. Oh my god, that must have been soul crushing. Um. He um and and in it he hears about the the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which and was also f- to this point he thought Japan was winning, right? Like up to this point, he believed Japan was well, winning. I, I think he I think he was aware that you know that that Japan's uh, grasp on the war was tenuous, but okay. but just hearing the the emperor and then him them talking about these these atomic bombs, which is the first time he's heard about these. Yeah. Um. So when the Japanese surrender on um. On August fifteenth, nineteen forty-five, um, Puyi agrees to abdicate. Um, so, as as the Soviets are, are bombing all the train station um, train stations, uh, Puyi's train is um, is running low on coal, and it has to return to uh, Chengchun. So, once he gets there, um, they they plan on taking a plane to escape, um, and he's going to take with him his brother, um, one of his servants, uh, Big Lee. And uh, Yoshioka, his handler, Big and Lee. his doctor. Big Lee yeah, was there till the end. Big Lee, the rapper. <laughs> Big Lee, um, man, he was there till the end. Which, which is a very, which is a very common thing in Chinese, is to call someone like Da or Xiao, like like big or little. I was gonna say, like okay. uh, you know, he, that would make him the poly walnuts because he was there till the end, you know. Um. So, but but he leaves, <laughs> but he leaves behind uh, Wanrong, um, his his concubine uh, uh, Lee, um, and also. Uh, uh, Lady Saga and her her two children. Um, so the the decision uh, was made in part by Yoshioka, who thought that the women were were not in any danger, um, and that he had vetoed Puyi's attempts to take them on the plane to Japan. Um, okay. So, because part of his plan is is that, th- is that they're going to fly to Japan, and then once they're in Japan, they're going to surrender to the Americans. Okay. Um, so as as he leaves the airport, he sees uh, Wanrung for the last time. Um, and, and, like, all of the, the women, like, both of his wife and his concubine are, are, like, devastated being left behind. Um, he had asked for Lady Saga, um, to, to sort of take care of them, um, and he gave, um, Lady Saga some, some money and also some antiques, uh, to pay their way south to Korea. Okay. 
Um, but what happens is, is on August sixteenth, um, they they take a they they take this small train to um, to Mukden, where they're going to um, where they're going to get on a larger plane to go to Japan. Um, but what happens instead is that the uh, the Soviet Air Force uh, lands there. Um, Puyi and his party are all taken prisoner by the Red Army, um, and, and they initially don't know who Puyi is. Ooh, okay. Um, that's good for so, that's good for Puyi. Oh, right, he's trying to play like, oh no, I'm just a normal person. Please let me go. Um, so what what happens to the women is is that um, they they are captured by by Chinese communist guerrillas um, while they're making their way to Korea, um, and and one of uh, Puyi's brothers-in-law. Um, in, informs the the communists um, who the women were. Uh, um, wait, so what's um, happening so in Manchukuo? It, it's like chaos. All the all the Japanese are trying to get out. the The locals are, are sort of like rising up when they can. Um, it's a, mu- it's much essentially like, done, though, right? Well, yeah, like much like what happens in Korea is that like as the Japanese colonists are like fleeing, like like Chinese just like Chinese mobs just like kill them. Like, like they just like attack them and like murder them in the streets, and the same thing happens in Korea. <clears throat> Jeez. Um, a lot of them get out. Um, some of them on on ships. Um, some ships are accidentally, um, b- before the, before like the, the ceasefire is called. Like some of the ships actually get like torpedoed, um, because oh, they're just fuck. like they're just military ships. Like they don't know that they're just carrying refugees. Yeah. Um. So. What happens is is that uh, Wanrong, who is going into withdrawals, um, and um, is is put on uh, display at a local jail um, where where people come from like miles around to like look at her. Look at this um, fucking addict. Look and, at her. She's on fucking withdrawals. And this and then sort of addict. like the and, and also the fact that she's like the former empress. Um, okay. So so she's delirious at this point, um, demanding that they give her like opium. Also um, asking for like. Uh, imaginary people to bring her clothing or, or food or a bath um, and she also believes that she's back in the Forbidden City or the, the Salt Palace uh-huh. um, and and she also would scream over and over again um, for her uh, murdered uh, baby oh man so she's having a break hardcore break um, and so because like everybody hates Puyi um, they have no sympathy for her um, and the, um, cause she was a Japanese collaborator too. Um, and one of the guards tells Lady Saga that, um, that she won't last. So they, they're not going to waste any time feeding her. Um, Wan Wan Rung eventually starves to death in her jail cell in, in June of 1946. Mm. Um, Whoops. so after the, after the Soviets capture Puyi, um, he sent to a prison camp after being, um, after going through like, uh, trials. Um, and he's eventually, um, in 1949, he's extradited to, uh, China, um, after the Chinese communists take power. This um, is not going to bear well out. And, and it, he is, he is put into a prison. Um, they have a number of these, um, where, where they're just like the only prisoners in them are, are sort of like different types of like war criminals. For instance, um, they have ones that are just all, um, like nationalist generals or, or nationalist officials they've captured who didn't, yeah. um, defect. Um, yeah. So he's so he's put in this prison, um, and from, and and during that time he's he goes through like political reeducation. Um, in in the meantime, from 1945 to 1948, um, uh, Manchuria serves as like the main base area for the Chinese communists, 
um, and and the People's Liberation Army um, during the Chinese Civil War. Um, eventually, uh, using all of the captured uh, Japanese equipment um, that the Soviets just give them, um, the the Chinese communists are able to beat the nationalists. Okay. Um, many former uh, uh, Manchu Kuo army personnel and uh, Kwantung and Japanese Kwantung army personnel would serve alongside uh, the communist troops in the Chinese Civil War, um, and and also some of them would stay and and sort of change their names to Chinese names. Um, and, and just continue living in China. Okay. Um, about, uh, so most of the Japanese settlers who had, who had left, um, uh, Manchu Kuo, uh, uh, by ship, um, were 1.5 million. Um, and, and most of them were sent back to Japan, uh, from 1946 to 1948 by U.S. Navy ships. Hmm. You turn them around. Nope, nope. Go back. Um, fuck off. Go back. Wait, they were so sent back the, to Japan. Were they all Japanese? Yeah, because they were Japanese settlers. Mm, okay. They they had sort of like they you know it's free real estate. Yeah. <laughs> um. So they got sold when, on the monorail. We are interning you assholes on our mainland. Just turn around and go back. You don't want none of this. Go so back. So when the when the Red Army um, invaded Manchu Kuo, um, they had captured um, eight hundred and fifty thousand. Um, settlers. God. Um, so with the exception of, of some civil servants and soldiers, um, they were all repatriated to Japan by the Soviet Union from 1946 to 1947. At least they repatriated them, I guess. Um, many many of the orphans of, of Japanese uh, settlers were left in China um, due, to, due to just the confusion of the, the Japanese uh, government and just sort of like the, the vacuum that happens. Um, and many of them were adopted by Chinese families. Uh, and and they and they were also able to like integrate into Chinese society um, because Chinese society is very like multicultural, so mm-hmm. so it's not that hard. Um, but in um, and in the 1980s, there began to be a, sort of a movement um, in in Japan to sort of uh, to organize a repatriation program for some of them, um, but not all of them wanted to go to Japan. Yeah, I mean, they've lived in China their whole lives. Why would you want to switch that up now, right? Um, the, yeah, the majority of Japanese uh, who were left in China uh, were women, um, and these uh, these Japanese women um, mostly married uh, Chinese men and became known as what was called um, stranded war wives. Hmm. Um, because these women had, had children fathered by Chinese men, um, they, they were not allowed to bring their, their whole families back with them to Japan, um, so most of them ended up staying. There goes with Japan with that ethnic um, bullshit again. It's, it's because in, in Japan, um, only children fathered by uh, Japanese can become Japanese citizens. Um, it, it's a thing too, where like there, there's a whole minority of Koreans in Japan who are who are who've lived there like multiple generations, like like four or five generations, but they're not considered Japanese citizens because they're because they're ethnically Korean. So so they're just sort of like uh, non-citizens. It's mm. crazy. Mm. Um, Puyi would eventually go through about a ten-year period of, of re-education, um, and would be uh, it would be released um, to live in Beijing on December 9th, nineteen fifty-nine, um, after being given special permission uh, from Mao, um, and he lived for the next six months um, in an ordinary Beijing residence with his sister um, before being uh, transferred to a government-sponsored hotel. Um, he mostly worked as a street sweeper and gardener. Um, and also took part in um, city councils. 
Um, during the Cultural Revolution, he was taken into protective custody um, in order to protect him uh, from the Red Guards and also to ensure that he didn't see the breakdown of Chinese society under uh, the Cultural Revolution. Um, because they can just been protected his because they considered Puyi to be like a propaganda win because they had taken a former emperor and they had made him into like a guy who genuinely like naively like liked communism and and felt that it was like the thing that worked for China. Yeah. But but like he's like like there's a story on his first day of work as a street sweeper. Um, he got lost and like he ran up to someone and told them, you know, like I'm I'm Puyi. I was the former Qing emperor. I, I'm lost and I don't know how to get home. Can you imagine someone runs up to you and they're just like, "Hey, I, I'm the former president of El Salvador. I don't know where the fuck I'm at. Can you give me direct?" Let me like, "Wait, what? Do you want money? Are you are you?" Homeless? I just point him over to the Walmart parking lot. And you can sleep there overnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Puyi would die um, of, of of kidney cancer and heart disease um, on October seventeenth, nineteen sixty-seven, at the age of sixty-one. Ah, uh, Puyi. F in the chat for Puyi. Nah, he, he also, he he also <laughs> apparently would go visit the uh, the the Forbidden City as a tourist, and he would like tell people about like the different items and stuff because he'd be like, oh yeah, that was I remember that. No, don't touch that. Don't touch that. That's 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 sacred. Fucking hands. So that is the story of Manchu Kuo. That's crazy. A land of contrasts, literally. Yeah. The narco state. All right. The rise and grind state. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you rise and grind too much, you know? It's not cocaine. It's opium. Like, Opium's going to make you fucking... The problem... <laughs> it's not going to make you rise and grind. The problem with Manchu Kuo is that they just didn't put enough emphasis on what really matters and what makes you strong, and that's family. You know? That's like... If Puyi had a family, you know, this wouldn't have happened, you know? Letty! Oh, China. Dom, Dom could have just drove him right out of there. Alright. Good night. Till next time. Till next time. Good night.